today we are continuing our series with the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 7 today, uh, verses 7 through 12. And so for the last, I guess really the last couple of months, we've been, <clears throat> we've been going through this series, and we are now in the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7, and you might have noticed in your bulletin that our conversation today, our lesson today, is going to be dealing with prayer. And uh, really, just in general, learning how to pray and being a people that when we pray, that we are praying with faith, you know, praying with expectation. Now, probably one of my favorite prayer stories that, that, that I have is a story by a guy named Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China in the 1800s. And I just, uh, you know, whenever you see guys of great faith and you see what they do, you go, man, that is so cool. I wish I would do that. I probably never would have done what he did, but it's a great story. And so the story is, in the 1800s, the first time he went to China, now he was a missionary there for over 51 years. Uh, after Hudson Taylor went there, 800 missionaries followed him to China. So this guy was a groundbreaker in China. But the first time he went there, of course, they went by a ship, and as they were going, the, the wind was not blowing at all. And uh, the captain started getting nervous because as you got closer to China, there were, there were some islands that were near China that were filled with cannibals. And so there was no wind blowing, and their ship was drifting right into one of these islands. And he said, the captain went into Hudson Taylor's room. Of course, he knew he was a man of faith. And he said, hey, we need you to start praying that God's going to send wind because we're getting ready to get beached on one of these islands. And he said, the natives are standing out on the beach, and they are lighting fires waiting for us to arrive. That is not the welcome party that you want. And so Hudson Taylor said, I'll pray. He said, but you do me a favor. He said, put up the sails now. Incredible. And so the captain's like, there's no wind. He said, go ahead and put them up. So he did. Hudson Taylor got down on his knees. He began to pray that God would send a wind. 45 minutes later, the captain came into Hudson Taylor's room and said, quit praying. He said, we got more wind than we know what to do with. And so just a great story. Now, Hudson Taylor said through that whole thing, he learned a very important lesson. And here's what he wrote down. He said, thus, through that experience, God encouraged me when we landed on China's shores to bring every variety of need to him in prayer and to expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give the help each emergency required. So here's the question that I, that I had as we, as we start talking about prayer, and that is this. Does prayer matter? You know, does prayer, when it comes down to it, does prayer really make a difference? Well, today as we are continuing our lesson through the Sermon on the Mount, we are going to see Jesus addressing the subject of prayer. And today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see what Jesus is doing as he is, he is encouraging believers, followers of Jesus, to cultivate a prayer life with God. Now, now some of you might be thinking, well, I already pray. You know, I pray, and to be honest with you, I do it more out of habit than anything else. When I pray, I really haven't seen anything great happen. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if it really makes that much of a difference. And, and if you think that, then I, I want you to know that you're not alone. Hey, there's a whole lot of people that have those same kind of feelings about prayer. But one of the cool things to discover is that when you look into the Bible, you're going to see that God lets us know that prayer matters. And that prayer actually makes a difference. 
So, so how does it make a difference? Well, Jesus points out to us today that when we pray, we need to be a people that we are approaching God with faith. That we are approaching God believing that he's going to hear us and that he's going to act. And so that's what we're going to see today in Matthew chapter 7 in verse number 7. Now, what's interesting to me about this is in the previous verses that we talked about last week, uh, that they don't deal with prayer at all. They deal with hypocrisy. And you might remember Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of the day, and, and he, was, he was talking to them. He said, you know, so many times you, you guys are so good at pointing out the faults in other people, but when it comes to your own life, you don't see that you're doing anything wrong. And, you know, and I look at that and I agree with Jesus. I'm like, man, look at those crazy religious people. And then I look at my own life and I'm like, my gosh, I'm just like they are. Uh, I told you all before, I have a great radar for mistakes. You know, when people don't do things right, I mean, they can be a mile away and I pick up on it. Like that guy right there, he's not doing that right. Uh, I can point that out. Now, but when it comes to examining myself, I am amazingly blind to any faults that I have. And so that's why I got married, to help me with that. But it's just sort of interesting. You know? And so what, what happens is that, that I have so much hypocrisy in my own life, and then I see what Jesus does is he follows up talking about hypocrisy by talking about prayer. And he says, guys, when, whenever you pray, you need to pray with faith. Now, now, why is prayer important? Well, here's what I believe. That as we pray, and we have an expectation in our prayer that God hears our prayer, that God will keep us from being hypocritical and that God will teach us and he will guide us we're told in James 1 5 if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God you might think, well, does that really matter does that really help well if it, it does if you approach God in faith that you approach him in your prayers with faith well well how do I pray in faith well Jesus mentions a few keys to prayer or praying in faith and here's what I see, just, just a few things today. And the very first thing that I see is if we're going to be a people who pray with faith, the first key is this. When you pray, don't quit. If you want to be a person who prays in faith, you don't quit in your prayers. Now let me read to you what Jesus said in verses 7 and 8. Now I think you can see this. In verse 7, Jesus says, Keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who searches finds. And to the one who knocks, Jesus says, the door will be opened. Now, I don't, I don't believe it takes a whole lot for many of us to get excited about some things. You know, right now, if, if you're a sports fan, you know, we're sort of in that, so we're getting ready to be in that stage where it's just, there's just nothing you know, and so what we do is we look forward, and especially in South Carolina, we look forward to college football. And it doesn't take much for us to get excited during this time. We're looking at recruits. We have all these dreams about what the, what the new season is going to bring. You know, Carolina, we got a new coach. Can't wait to see what he's going to do. And Clemson's like, we almost won the national championship. And so we're all looking forward to it. So we're all excited about the season. It doesn't take much to get excited. Uh, when it comes to, to health issues, it, it, it's interesting to me. It doesn't take people much to get excited when January 1 rolls around. We're thinking, man, this year I'm going to get into shape. And then you go to the Y, and it's just absolutely jam-packed with people. So it doesn't take much for us to get excited. But how long does that excitement last? You know, for college football, it lasts until your team punts. 
or, you know, until they have their first loss or with, uh, with exercise. It, it lasts until the next morning. And you're like, man, i got to do this again? And so, you know, excitement, is, it's not easy to get excited. Where it's tough is prolonging it. And the same thing's true in a prayer life. It doesn't take much to get excited about prayer when you're struggling, right? You know, whenever, you're, whenever you have someone in your family that's maybe going through a rough time physically, you can't wait to get on your knees for them. You know, whenever you are struggling in your job or you have an important promotion or maybe you're a student, you're like, if I don't pass this test, I'm going to be in this grade again next year. And so in situations like that, you know, you're like, I'm going to rock it when it comes to prayer. You know, we get excited about it. But how long does that last? You know, how long can you keep that going? Well, it generally lasts until, you know, we, we quit. See, you know, we don't see results as fast as we would like. Or, you know, that, that prayer and that excitement that we have about it is maybe things actually do get better. And then we just sort of taper off in our, in our relationship with God and our talking to God. But whenever those things happen, we feel a lull in our prayer life. What are we supposed to do? And it's here in verses 7 and 8 that Jesus gives the answer. And Jesus very simply tells us, he says, keep asking. He says, keep searching, keep knocking. Very simply put, what Jesus is doing is he's telling us, in your prayer life, he said, make sure that you are being persistent in your prayers. And he said, what does persistence get me? If you go on and read, Jesus said, if you keep asking, what happens? It'll be given to you. He said, if you keep asking, it'll be given to you. If you keep searching, you'll find. If you keep knocking, Jesus says, then the door will be opened. Now, our responsibility is to keep being persistent in our prayer life with God. Now, I do want to say this. This does not mean that you have a license to pray for anything that you want and then God's automatically going to give it to you. Uh, the, the key here is that we are to pray in God's will. And as we pray in God's will, praying for things we know that He wants us to have, then we can expect that He's going to provide that for us. Now, you know, God is our Father, and for those of you who are parents, you know that there's a lot of things your kids will ask you for. Now, just because your kids ask for it, does it mean that you automatically give it to them? You know, my kids, if they, if they came to me and said, Dad, I'd like for you to buy me a pack of Marlboros, you know, when they're like eight years old, guess what? It ain't happening. Now, why? That's not a part of my will. I'm not going to buy it. Now, they can get it on their own, but I'm not going to be the one blessing them for that. And the same thing is true when it comes to our Heavenly Father. Uh, 1 John 5, 14-15 says this. Now this is the confidence that we have before God. Whenever we ask anything according to His will, what's the next part say? He hears us. And if we know that He hears whatever we ask, then we know that we have what we asked Him for. Isn't that interesting? Now, now, what are the key words in that verse? It's this. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So here's the deal. If you want your prayers to be effective, if you want your prayers to matter, you want to be heard by God, then your responsibility and mine is to make sure that when I pray, that I am praying according to God's will. You might say, well, that sounds good, but what prayers are part of God's will? You know, how can I know that when I'm praying, that I'm praying according to God's will? Let me give you a few freebies. 
when you look in the Bible, these are some things that we can know. When you pray these things, these things are a part of God's will. Matthew 5.44 tells us it is a part of God's will for us to pray for people who are our enemies. Isn't that interesting? It's a part of you can know that. When somebody does you wrong, you can know that you are to pray for that person. That is a part of God's will. Luke 10.2 says that we are to pray for God to send out more people as missionaries to hear the name of Jesus. Matthew 26 tells us that we are to pray for ourselves, that we will be protected from temptation. And as we pray that, guys, that will happen. That's part of God's will. James uh, 3 5, and 13, uh, 5, 13 through 16 lets us know it is a part of God's will for us to pray for relief from affliction and healing. Colossians 4, I like this one, tells us it's a part of God's will for you to pray for the protection of your pastors and their wisdom. Now I may say, well, why is it important for me to be persistent in my prayer? Because when we pray things over and over again, you know what that shows God? It shows that you care about it. That that is, an, that is a, a subject or that is an area that is important to your heart. And when you consistently bring it before God, that is also a demonstration of faith on your part. Saying, God, I believe that you are the one who can do something about this. Therefore, God, that's why I am bringing it before you. So when you pray, pray in faith. Bring it to the Lord. Pray in persistence. And as you do that, God hears. Now, I, I don't know how many of y'all are fans of Cracker Barrel. This is, seems like a strange diversion here. But I've been thinking about this. Uh, when I go to Cracker Barrel, have y'all ever noticed this? Whenever you're driving down the interstate and you go to Cracker Barrel, have you noticed it's not, it's not right off the interstate, Cracker Barrel? Have y'all noticed that? I have noticed that. And it drives me crazy. I'm like, why don't you put the restaurant, like, on, like even on Farrell Road, it's behind the gas station. You have to look for the place. Now, I looked this up. I was like, why do y'all do this? And it's, they do it on purpose. The reason why they do it is they, they've learned that it saves them millions of dollars not to build on the main frontage road. But if you build back off of it, it saves them a lot of money. Now, that seems like that would be bad for business, but people love Cracker Barrel. Now, why do they love Cracker Barrel? Well, it's because of the fine cuisine and uh, also the cool rocking chairs. So that's why people love Cracker Barrel. It is the most trafficked restaurant in the United States. Here's the conclusion. When people crave something, they're going to find it. And it doesn't matter where you put it. When they crave something and it's good, they are going to find it. Same thing is true with God. If you crave the things of God, if you crave God, you're going to find him. Now, it's not always Jesus isn't just right off the frontage road. You've got to be looking for him. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. But how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Now, in general, as people, we like easy. I like convenience. I don't like to have to work for stuff. And the world offers us all this stuff. But let me tell you something, it does not satisfy Jesus says, if you seek me, he said, you're going to find me and I will change your life. In Jeremiah 29, 13, Jesus, or God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So whenever we are praying, the key to praying in faith is don't quit. Keep seeking and searching after God. Keep your requests before God as you pray in his will. 
Okay, so that's the first key, but here's the second key that goes along with that. When you are praying, the second key to praying in faith is expect something to happen. You know, there, has to be, there has to be expectation whenever you are a person who wants to pray in faith. Now, let me read to you verses 9 through 11. It says, What man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a, sna a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, now, over the years, we have created or concocted a lot of, a lot of different views and images of God. Uh, there are some of us, we see God as being, you know, he's way off in the sky, he's distant. When he looks down on earth, we're just a bunch of little ants running around. How in the world could God even know who we are? Why would God be interested in me? You know, there's over 7 billion people on this planet. How could God know me? And there are other people that whenever they look at God, their view of God is that God is a policeman. And he's got a billy club. And he can't wait for you to mess up because then he's going to beat you in the head. Now we have these strange views of God. Now if you have a view of God like that, that's going to affect the way that you pray. Now that's even going to affect whether or not you even have any expectations of God. So then, so then what are we supposed to do? You know, now if you feel that way, a good thing to do is don't go with your feelings, but let's take a look and see what the Bible has to say concerning how God views you. You know how God views you and me? Do you know that God finds you valuable? And we, we learn this all the way back in Genesis 1.27. It says that God made you, made people. And when he made us, he made us in the image of God. God finds you that valuable. Not only that, but did you know God, God knows you intimately. We learn this from King David. David wrote this in Psalm 119, 13. He said, it was you who created my inward parts. Uh, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 1, 5, before I formed you in the womb, God said, I knew you. And we're not just, we're not just creation either, not just a, another one of God's creations, but y'all understand that when you follow God, you actually become a part of his family. Isaiah 64, 8 says, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you're the potter. We are the work of your hands. Now, now what does that mean? Christians, let me tell you what that means. It means you are not just an animal that walks around on this planet. Now, we might act like animals sometimes, but we are not animals. You are not a great big uh, cog in this big wheel of life. You are special. You have been created by God. And, and God is our Father, and, and as, as any father, he desires the best for his children. That's what verses 9 through 11 are about. It's about fathers wanting the best for their kids. Uh, on Fridays, I'm in a Bible study group with a couple of guys from church, and we get together and we, we do a Bible study, and so we go through it inevitably. What ends up happening is we end up talking about our families by the end. We talk about our kids, we talk about how you know, we want the best for our kids, we love our kids. And I'm sitting there thinking, if guys like this are concerned about their children, how much more do you think God is concerned about his children? You know, we all love our kids. But guys, God loves his children even more. So, so what does that mean? Well, here's what it means to me. That whenever we pray to God the Father, I can guarantee you that God listens 
to his children because he loves his children. He's desirous of taking care of us. So what does that mean? It means when we pray, we ought to expect God to act when we bring our requests to him. But here's the deal. I believe many times in my own life that I've missed out on seeing God move. I've missed out on the blessings of God because I've not asked God for anything. Because my expectations of God and what he can do are really low sometimes. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in James 4, 2, it says, You have not because you ask not. I mean, God wants to provide for us, but he's waiting for me and you to demonstrate our faith in him by seeking after his leadership and his guidance and his help. So, so here's my encouragement for you. Raise your expectation level with God. When you pray, expect God to move. Expect God to make a difference. I mean, think about it. When you came, what, what do you expect of God? Do you expect anything of him? You know, whenever you came into the worship service today, were you expect, are you expecting God to do anything? Do you expect God to speak to your heart? Do you expect God to bring change into your life? Because here's what I believe. I believe that if our expectations are low, then we're going to receive something pretty low. But if we raise our expectations in faith and believing in God to move, then I believe that's when we begin to see God move. So when you pray, pray in faith. And the key to doing that is don't quit. Raise your level of expectation. And then finally this, when you pray, be willing to act. Have, have action behind your prayer. So last verse I'll read, verse 12. It says, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. This is the law and the prophets. Now, I'm sure that we all know people who talk a, who talk a big game. I mean, this is what I'm going to do, and they, they go through all this stuff. But then whenever it's time for the rubber to hit the road, you find out this is a person that is all talk and absolutely no action. Now, I say that because I think that's true also in prayer. Y'all, I, I can be a big talker in prayer. God, this is what I want you to do. God, I, you know, I'm, I'm praying for this. Lord, may you use me and bless me. Help me to be a blessing to others. But then when it comes time to act, I don't. Let me give you an example. I, and I, I was convicted of this. I pray, God, I want to be, Lord, I, I just want you to use me to be a blessing to somebody else. Lord, I want you to work through me so that you'll, that, that you'll give me the opportunity to share with somebody who's in need about the good news of Jesus. And then I went on a flight. And I got on the plane and I sat down. This guy sits down next to me. And I'm sitting there. You know, the, by the way, the guy who invented airplane seats, he could cure cancer if he wanted to. Because he has created a seat that you cannot get comfortable in. It doesn't matter what you do. That guy's a genius. Okay, so anyway... So I'm sitting in the seat. I'm already uncomfortable as I sit down. And I'm sitting there going, man, I don't even want to hear the guy next to me breathe. You know, this is my prayer. Lord, use me. And so I grab my ear-canceling headphones, and I slip them on, and then I sit back for the plane flight. Okay, I just prayed, God, use me. And then I've said, okay, God, I prayed that, but in action, I want everybody to leave me alone. And so the guy obviously next to me is going, this guy obviously not going to have a conversation with me. So here's the deal. When you pray, be ready to act. When, when, if you're praying in faith, 
then you ought to expect that Jesus is getting ready to do something. It reminds me of the story of the Scottish pastor. His, his, uh, where he lived was going through a severe drought. And he had his church praying for rain. And they prayed for rain. The service was over. And he went home and he ate lunch, took a nap. Got back for the evening services. And as, as he was walking back to the church, his daughter ran out with an umbrella and said, Dad, you forgot your umbrella. And he said, Honey, it's not raining. She said, But Dad, don't you know it's going to? You prayed for it. Guys, if you want to know that if you're a person who is praying with expectation and faith, then see what your actions are. Verse number 12 is an example of this. This, this verse 12 is also known as the, the golden rule. Uh, the, the other version is the one that's more popular that you're probably familiar with. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And it's interesting to me to see that our response, our action towards other, others is not dictated by what they do to us. Our action is dictated by what God tells us that we are supposed to do. He said, you treat others the way that you want to be treated. How do you want to be treated? I, want to be, I can tell you I want to be treated. I want people to be nice to me. I want people to, to be kind to me. I want people to treat me with generosity. And Jesus says, you treat others that way. In my thinking, I'm thinking, well, they don't deserve it. You know, they haven't done anything to deserve me treating them like that. That's not, that's not my area. God didn't tell me to worry about the way other people are treating me. Jesus says, you, you be concerned with how you're treating others. And he says, I've called you to do this, to have faith that what I'm telling you is right. You want to see if you're praying with faith? Then examine your actions to see if you are being obedient to what Jesus says. Because James 2.17 is very blunt. It says, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. You know, one of the major ways that our works are demonstrated in our life is to simply look to see how we treat other people. To see what, you know, what our response is to other people. How do, you, how do you live? How do you treat others? Uh, there's a story in the Tucson, Arizona newspaper talking about a guy that had gone to a rock show, like, like real rocks. And so he went and he found, uh, he found a rock that he thought was kind of pretty rock, and so he bought it, bought it for 10 bucks. Well, as he was looking at the rock, he thought, this is kind of, kind of an unusual rock, and he wanted to get it checked out. And so he took it to a lady in our first service, told me, a gemologist. Uh, I said a gemist. But anyway, a gemologist. So he took it there, and the gemologist looked at it and said, uh, yeah, we, well, I want to polish this stone down, because I think this is actually something that's valuable. So he ended up polishing it. Y'all, this is a true story. He polishes it down. What he discovered is that it was a sapphire that weighed one, it was 1,905 carats. How's that? Ten bucks, it was worth $2.28 million dollars. The Tucson newspaper wrote about this. It said, it took a true lover of rocks to see the gem under the rough surface of that stone. Hey guys, let me tell you something. To see the true gem under the rough surface of life, we have to be a true lover of God. Because you see, the power of God has the potential to take a person who is just a rock and turn them into something of value. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when Jesus enters into a person's life, when Jesus touches somebody's life, that it changes them? Because I believe it. And I've experienced it happening. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about it. When we follow God, this is what happens to you. 
Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27 says, God says, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and I will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Have you ever seen people change like that? People who, who began to follow God and their lives became different. You're like, man, I don't even know who that guy is anymore. He has changed. That's what God does. And that's why when we pray, we need to be a people who are praying in faith because Jesus is the only hope that we've got. He's it. How do I pray with faith? You know, what is the key for me to do that? Don't quit. Be persistent in your prayer. Never give up. Set high expectations. When you pray, expect God to move. And then to show that you're expecting him to move, act. You pray for rain, y'all carry an umbrella. If you pray for, for God to use you to speak to someone, to someone to be an encouragement in their lives, take off your headphones and be looking around you. Because God will provide. Pray with faith. Act. Okay, so then what do we do? It's fun to talk about, but here's the deal. We need to put that into action. And so let's start putting it into action right now. So what should we do? Well, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you right where you're seated to take time simply to talk to God and to pray in faith. There might be some of you who tell you, you just simply need to say, Lord, I... I have not, I've not had any expectations of you, but Jesus, today I, I want to talk to you. Lord, I am believing that you hear my prayer. And Jesus, I am asking today that you will work in my life so that I will be obedient to what you say. Not what culture says, but what Jesus says. Because I believe you're right. And I believe you lead to life. Some of us need to pray that in faith. Others of you need to pray and say, God, I've been asking for you to use me to reach others. I've been praying for you to touch somebody else's life. Jesus, today I'm asking in faith that you will use me to do it. Pray that. Okay, but there are others of you here today, and it's time for you to, to pray in faith, believing that Jesus can transform your life. And there might be some things that are in your life right now that you are dealing with. Maybe there's brokenness there. Maybe there is some kind of discouragement that is in your life. Why don't you take this time simply to call out to God and say, God, in the midst of my brokenness, Lord, I am asking for healing. Lord, today I'm, I'm choosing, I am asking you to restore me, to redeem me, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, come into me and change me. Forgive me of my sin. Let this be that when you pray in faith, with expectation, believing that God moves.